Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where each week we look at a strange thing that's happened in history. I'm your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Oh, hi there. Hello, how are you doing? I'm sleepy. I know you are. School started again. School started again. Yeah. And you know what else has started again? Was Parliament. Yay! Because Parliament follows the school calendar for some reason. Does it? <laughs> yeah, they have a summer... Well, I think they call it the summer recess. Yeah, they do have a summer recess. I yeah. just didn't realise that they recessed for the summer holidays yeah basically so all of august i'm as you know i enjoy keeping up with current events Mm -hmm. and my my fuel of anger has been a bit dry because you know we haven't had the current government saying something completely well actually we have but not in (laughs) in parliament yeah but now they're back yay and they're back with a vengeance because uh, listeners in the UK may know or may not know that today, uh, when we're recording this, uh, this is actually the day before this is coming out, mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is Tuesday the 7th, the government has unveiled its social care plans. I didn't know that. Yeah, because you probably know that social care in this country is a little bit busted. Oh, for sure. Yeah, people pay a lot for it. So I thought that we would break with tradition on this podcast and actually do something relevant at the time. Oh, dear God. Yeah, I know. So I decided, because I I had had some real trouble this week coming up with a topic. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that now. So I was looking around and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something about social, something related to social care, nursing, something like that. Because we did Mary Seacole before. We have done Mary Seacole. So I thought I'd do another nurse. Okay. And a name cropped up that I didn't realise was connected to this sort of world. Okay. Now, listeners, I don't know your political affiliation, but frankly, I think the government's suggestions are a bit of a calamity. Wouldn't you say? Oh my God. (laughs) What's happening? What's happening is I discovered that Calamity Jane Mm -hmm. of the Wild West actually has some connections to nursing. What? Yeah. Okay. And... This was my first introduction. Like, I knew a bit about Calamity Jane beforehand, and I started looking more into her. And it turns out basically everything that people will know about Calamity Jane is a lie. Oh. Or a real, like, uh, exaggeration of the truth. Okay. Now, I'm not sure how much I know about Calamity Jane at all, to be honest. Mm. Wasn't she a sharpshooter? <laughs> No. Do we think that she was a sharpshooter? We think she was a sharpshooter. Okay. Calamity Jane is a very famous figure in the American Wild West. She is known for being like this incredibly skilled daredevil woman who dressed as a man, was basically a soldier, and she did all these crazy things. She had like this mad life doing all sorts of different jobs. She was a scout for the army. She saved the life of a captain. She was the lover of Wild Bill and all these sorts of things. Okay. Almost all of that is not true. Wait, Wild Bill is in Wild Bill's Wild West show? Yes. So he well, made up a lot of stuff, I'm sure. Well, uh, you may also be conflating with Buffalo Bill. That's the one I was thinking yeah. about, sorry. No, but she was also involved with Buffalo Bill. Oh, really? But she was also said to be the lover of Wild Bill Hickok. Okay. Who um, was very famous as a sharpshooter, a professional gambler, kind of a mythic hero of the Wild West. Okay. I love these people. Like, there's something about... Okay, we've talked about pirates before, yeah. and cowboys have the same kind they of really deal do. going on. They really do. This is one of the other reasons that I decided to look at Calamity Jane, because mm. it's like, I love a good cowboy story. I know that it's like, it's mired in really awful Oh god, it's racism. problematic as all hell. Yeah, and obviously like the, the version that we think of is definitely very idealised, mm-hmm. and definitely does not represent, you know people's lives at the time and in a way that's pretty relevant to calamity jane (laughs) okay because that sort of idealization was happening even during the frontier days yeah i think that's why i was thinking about buffalo bill because buffalo bill was like 
around during the frontier days and then went around places that weren't part of the frontier being Mm -hmm. like this is what it's like and it wasn't absolutely absolutely and calamity jane was really she was kind of responsible for some of these rumors as well and it's like this idea in a way it is because when you look at her her life was kind of fascinating okay but not fun adventuring like uh cowboy film there was a bit of that okay but just not in the way you might think so we're gonna go back and we're going to start off immediately with a myth okay so if you look on wikipedia it lists uh the birth date of martha canary as she was known right it's got two ends in it so some people say canary but it seems to be more likely to be canary Canary uh, sounds better than yeah. I I am a factory for preserving food. Yeah, it's it's spelt like canary but with an extra n. Oh. In some versions they omit the extra n. Fair. It's All right. that time, yeah. you know, spelling is not super important. <laughs> like the stunning Batman, exactly. which we have mentioned on this <laughs> cast before. Excellent, good. I was about to ask if we had. So Martha's birth date, as I say, on Wikipedia, is put down as May the 1st, 1852. Okay. This is wrong. Okay. (laughs) And I'm not sure... You're calling out Wikipedia here. I am calling out Wikipedia. I'm calling out a lot of places. It's listed so many places, either 1852 or 1853. Okay. That is definitely not true. We don't know exactly when she was born. The most likely date is May the 1st, 1856. And that's because that was when she was first recorded on a census. Right. Okay. It's quite possible she was born earlier. It's unlikely. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So it's like when people say Shakespeare was born on the same day he died. We don't know that at all. Yeah. But this is even the year we're, (laughs) we're questioning at this point. Okay. She was born to Robert and Charlotte Canary, and Robert's family had moved to Missouri from Ohio at the behest of Robert's father, James, because basically land in her, in a hot land in a (laughs) hot land in Ohio was getting really expensive. Okay. And it wasn't actually that great to farm in. Right. So they decided to move a little bit further out into Missouri, which had recently been expanded into by white people. Sure. Wait, was was Missouri part of the Wild West? Did that count? Yes, at this point, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, okay, it, it wasn't quite the Wild West as mm. you might be thinking of, but it's where they were going at this particular point, okay. this family. I guess fair enough. Like, I've read Huckleberry Finn, which takes place in Missouri. Mm. And they do, like, at the end of the book, um, Huck does mention that he went off to live with some Native Americans, yeah. like, at the end. So it, I guess, like, it's still a lot wilder than oh, modern yeah. times. And at this point, it was particularly wild. Like, this, this is the early days of Missouri. Okay. So the family's moving over to Missouri because land is cheaper and it's better to farm there. Sure. And on the way, uh, Robert meets Charlotte and they get married. Okay. Now, one thing to note here is that Robert is 30 years old. Right. Charlotte is 15. Oh. Yep. Oh, Charlotte, no. I know. Yeah. Okay. Common-ish, but not actually necessarily all that common in the 1800s no but it was also not so unusual that it would have caused like a great deal of comment i just note it here because you know that's not going to make way for a great relationship no nowadays we would think of that as very icky but also surprisingly in a majority of states in america there are conditions at which a 15 year old can marry yeah i know it's really quite grim that's very distressing but it does seem to be that none of those situations really applied here it seems like robert and charlotte actually had a pretty good life together okay they got married charlotte joined the family wagon fabulous to head over to missouri and uh a year later she gave birth to their first child martha canary okay they made their way into missouri as i said and robert's father james bought 320 acres of land whoa yeah whoa 
Whoa! I know, it's a huge amount that of land. That is a huge amount of land. He divided it up and he sold it on to his four children, of which Robert was the youngest. Right. And he sold it on to them at a reduced price, basically less than half of what he paid for it. Okay. Uh, as a sort of inheritance, but yeah. you know, allowed him to continue living on. I feel like that's not an uncommon practice. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. he's, he's definitely like setting up his kids. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and he actually ended up staying and living with Robert and Charlotte. Okay. And now the young Martha who is the eldest of six children, although two of them there's very little information about. It seems likely that they died very young, mm -hmm. or else some people have posited that Martha made them up. Okay, could I be. think it's more likely that they just died very young because, you know, very yeah. common at the time. I mean... I've been re-listening to some of our episodes and the number of times we've been like, and they had this many siblings, but about half of them died. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. Infomortality is just very common thing, in history. Which becomes really important. Sorry, complete no, trajectory no, at the moment. Like with all of this stuff at the moment about misinformation with medicine online, yeah. there have been people asking things like, but what did we, what did people do before vaccines? Obviously they were fine. And mm. the answer is, no, no, their babies died. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But Martha and three of her siblings, they survived. And it seems like they were doing pretty well. Okay. We kind of lose out on some of their history at this point because this does go over the American Civil War. Okay. And we don't really know what happened to them. We do know that Missouri uh, was actually generally unionist. Was it? Yes, it was. Oh, wow, okay. But... Charlotte Canary yeah. was a secessionist. Right. And we know that this caused problems because she started developing a reputation amongst oh, the no. locals. Okay. And as such, we kind of we get a weird picture of her as this person who's like incredibly brash and vulgar and rude. Okay. Um, but is that just because she's arguing against other people and she's a woman? It may well be. Or is she just be... a horrible secessionist? I mean, it could be that there is a certain nugget of truth to it because that sort of like forthright manner mm. does seem to be present in her eldest daughter, Martha. Okay. And also Charlotte managed to alienate Robert's two older sisters. Oh no. So okay. Yeah, it sounds sounds like it's not great then. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's what we can see though is there are some strong wills in that female line in that family. I mean <laughs> Yeah. I but on the other hand, that's kind of a good sign for your child marriage if mm. the the woman who was a child has been able to stand up for herself and become this kind of brash person. Yeah. Maybe that's how she survived properly it's really weird yeah. like there, there's a lot of things you can kind of make suggestions about but as with a lot of stuff in the within mm. this story we don't know yeah fair. we can posit it but yeah who knows mm. so unfortunately this sort of like nice family life on this farm didn't last okay because martha's grandfather robert's father james mm -hmm. he dies right and he doesn't leave a will which, oh my god, but he's been doing such a good job up until this point. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a number of, as I said, we yeah, can posit yeah. a few things. One of them is that education didn't seem to be particularly important in this family. All right. Out of the entire family, talking about Robert, his siblings, their mm -hmm. children, and his grandparents, out of the entire family, only Robert and his older brother could read or write. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So it's quite possible that it's just something that, you know, couldn't really be done. Fair enough. I mean, they seem to be people who are reasonably practical, yeah. but maybe if they don't actually have the wherewithal to know to contact a solicitor exactly. or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So this becomes a problem because now the government appoints an executor to kind of sort everything out. Okay. And what that executor does is Sue's Robert. What? Yeah. Why? Because Robert's father had made a loan to Robert during his life. Right. And the executor basically said, you haven't paid this back, and now this is technically owned by the state. Okay. 
So now you owe us a lot of money. Definitely more than Robert and his family could afford. Oh, man, that's a real dick move on the part of the executor. Ooh, I'm not sure yeah. whether this makes any sense legally. I mean, I think it did at the time, but you know, yeah. we're talking about days of frontier when laws can be a little bit loose. Yeah, sure. And if the government wants to try and grab your land, they kind of can. Okay, fair enough. They're like, we want to put even more settlers on this land. Exactly. So... Robert and Charlotte, they're kind of, you know, discussing what to do. Mm. Like, there's a lot of money. We're not really liked around here. Mm. Should we just leave? So, in the middle of the night... What? Okay, fine. They pack up the family and just leave. Whoa, okay. To basically get away from being sued properly by this executor. Fantastic. So, they decide to do what a lot of people were doing at at the time... And head for the hills. Is it Westwood Expansion? Yep. Westwood Expansion! Not just that, but it's the gold rush. Oh my gosh, incredible. Yeah, so they decide to head to Montana, where there's a lot of mountains. Yeah, it's in the name. I mean, yes, it is indeed. (laughs) This journey took them five months. Whoa! Yeah. Okay. It's likely that they were part of a wagon train, Mm -hmm. because that seems to just be what you did. If you wanted to travel somewhere... You start heading off in that direction. You see a lot of other people traveling in that direction too. And you just go, we're joining you. I mean, you've also kind of got to, don't you? Because at this point in time, you're effectively stealing even more Native American land. Well, and they're likely to attack you. Yeah, that is also quite possible. And the environment is not exactly <laughs> no. easy to work. It's not like you've got nice straight Roman roads like in the UK. Yeah. However, someone who did enjoy this journey was Martha Canary. Okay. She basically thrived in this environment. She got to practice her favourite pastimes, which were riding horses, Mm -hmm. shooting, Mm -hmm. and hunting. Mm -hmm. Lovely. What a tomboy. Oh, absolutely. This is where we start seeing her dressing in clothes that were not appropriate at the time. Oh, no. Because... Was she... What's the word? Was she bifurcated? (laughs) Do you mean, did she wear trousers? Yes. Yes. That was the way the Edwardian ladies yeah. used to talk about it, which I think is hilarious. I know, but it just sounds like you've been split in two. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you said there's a lot of myths about her life. Yeah. Is everything you've told me now true, or is that part of her story? Thus far, everything I've told you, as far as we can mm-hmm. like make out, is true. Okay. But... I mention her wearing basically men's clothes because that is a prevailing story about her that's only partly true. All right. Because generally, if you see images of Martha Canary, aka Mm -hmm. Calamity Jane, she's dressed up in men's clothes, generally like as a soldier or as a scout. And this image kind of has sustained this idea of, you know, she was uh, she was this woman who, who dressed up in man's clothes. She was a soldier. Mm-hmm. Like, she detested being a woman or anything like that. And it seems like that's really not true. Okay. She kind of just dressed practically for what she was doing. Okay. So because she was out hunting mm. with the hunting parties on this wagon train... She wore trousers. She wore trousers because it's easier than wearing <laughs> a big old black pioneer dress. Absolutely. Yeah. So, as I said, she joined the men in their hunting parties, and they seemed, you know, pretty happy with that. I mean, there's no reason not to be if you're not offending their masculinity or something. Yeah, and she was also, she was really helpful in a lot of ways. Like, when the wagons had to be basically lifted on mountainous passes, Mm -hmm. she would help out with that and was apparently really good at it. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to turn down someone at that point. Exactly. This seems to be kind of, I, I hesitate to say the best time of Martha's life. It's definitely the most stable. Okay. And it, I think... That's not great if your most stable point in your life is when you're doing effectively the Oregon Trail. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that's not a good sign for your life. No, no. So the family arrives in Montana, hoping to take advantage of the gold rush. Mm-hmm. Of course, so had many other families. Yeah. And very few people were going to be of any success whatsoever. Mm. So they stayed around for a little while, sort of supporting themselves with odd jobs. There's some suggestion that they sent the children out to beg as well, because they were, you know... Not having a great time at finding gold. Yeah, exactly. They were 
getting by, but mm. not particularly well. This is also a suggestion some people have that um, Charlotte, Martha's mother, uh, actually worked as a prostitute for a while. I mean, that would make sense in terms of like how people of the time tended to get by in tough times. Yeah, especially in the gold rush towns. Mm. Basically, the people who made money were either selling goods to the gold rush people or they were prostitutes for them. Um, I know there are some others. I'm simplifying it. Of course. Yeah. I mean, in my heart, I really want gold rush things to be like that Jack London short story that they use in the Mm. Ballad of Buster Scuggs where he goes out into the mountains and like it's just really calmly going through. Obviously bad things happen, but you know, like there's that idyllic thing to it. But really... There must have been so many people just all over the place. It must have been impossible to get, like, a lone steak kind Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. And as such, possibly for that reason, we don't really know. But whatever happened, the family go, we're not happy here. Yeah. We're moving on. Okay. So they decide to head to Utah. Okay. Is that further west than Montana? I don't really know the geography. I don't really know either. Okay. But they, mean, go to, they go to Utah. Yeah, they're going to Utah, which definitely does have more of that sort of, like, wild west dust bowl look that we kind of associate i mean their main city is salt lake city exactly which is is where they're actually heading oh great um Um, were the mormons there by then i believe they were okay and this is possibly the reason that they were heading for here for salt lake city because they basically uh robert thought that you know the mormons were pretty nice they'd look after them if anything went bad sure i mean (laughs) Very easy people to sell an MLM to, I've heard. (laughs) Absolutely. So the family heads out to Utah, but Charlotte doesn't go with them. Oh. We don't know why. Okay. Because at this point, Charlotte just falls out of history. Okay. It seems likely as a result of this that she died. Hmm. But we don't know. There's no gravesite. There's no reference to her dying. She just vanishes. All right. I mean, that feels weird. But at the same time, we've got to acknowledge it's very hard to keep track of anyone. Exactly. Especially if they're not important people. Yeah. I mean, as I said, like, we only have this idea of uh, Martha's birth birth year because of this one census that happened to happen at the right time. Yeah. And also... That is just, like, absolutely mad. Mm. When you think about, like, the fact that we know which year and which month Shakespeare was born in because everyone would register their child's baptism at their local church and then the churches kept records, right? And then you get to the 1800s, but because it's the middle of nowhere in America, they don't have the same records that they had in the 1500s. Exactly, yeah. It's wild. It is wild. And we see that there's quite a few occasions when we kind of just have years missing Mm. from Martha's life and we just there's just no records so we we can make inferences but Mm. we we don't know it doesn't help that it's a family who doesn't read and write so we're not gonna have any letters or anything like that yeah exactly uh Martha actually remains illiterate through her whole life she is credited with an autobiography Mm -hmm. um but she dictated it like Marjorie Kemp exactly yes yeah so the family arrive in Salt Lake City in either 1866 or 1867. Sure. Hard to tell. Okay. And shortly thereafter, Robert Canary dies. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, so all the kids are, like, parentless at this point. Yeah. And we lose track of them. Oh, no. Come on, guys. Yeah. There is a census in 1869. Right. Where Martha Canary appears. Oh. But she gives her age there as 15. Okay. Which... What do we think her age was? 13. Is it possible she's trying to keep hold of the family then? It is quite possible indeed. Mm. Because, like I said, we kind of lose track of them. There's some suggestion they may have been adopted or split up and come back together. Okay. It's really hard to tell. Right. And this is also where one of the prevailing myths uh, of Calamity Jane appears, which is that she managed to 
support her siblings and keep the family together by working as a prostitute in a brothel called the birdcage. The birdcage, really? Yes. La cage au fol? Well, <laughs> not just that, but she is called Martha Canary. Oh, yeah. In the birdcage. Oh, yeah. I mean, incredible. This is almost certain. No, I'm not even going to use the almost certainly. This is not true. Okay. This is not true at all. Right. It is... Much more likely that she was working at a boarding house looking after some young children there. Right, okay. Because she does, that is what her job is listed as on the census. Okay. I mean, fair enough. There were, okay, there were a lot of assumptions that tended to get made about single women back in those days. And I kind of wonder if this is part of that where you go, it's a woman by herself and she's making money. She must be a sex worker. I think so. And like, there are some things to suggest that she did she did kind of dabble in some prostitution mm-hmm. but it was definitely something that you know she fell back on when times were tough or if she needed some extra money yeah this was not something that you know she did to support her family like she'd do other things if okay. she could and she did like i said she worked in this boarding house okay and then we lose track of her okay right <laughs> and we don't... i love these censuses thank god yeah and she doesn't appear again until she is 19 years old. For sure 19 years old? 19 years old by our reckoning if she's born in 1856. Okay. Yeah. And she appears as part of a geological survey. And I do this in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like they scanned the rocks, they found her fossilized. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. She was part of a troop accompanying a geological survey, a group known as the Newton Jenny Party, who were heading to the Black Hills in order to assess General Custer's claim that there was gold in our hills. Okay. Uh, Why was she going along? Because what was happening was the Black Hills was basically a Native American reservation. Okay. What the American government had been doing at the time was basically forcing the native peoples into specific areas and basically saying, do not leave this area. Yeah. And then they realized there's gold in those areas. Great. So they send out these parties to check that there is gold. Mm-hmm. And then they've got a military attachment with them so that when they find the gold, they can just move the native people along. Oh, great. Yeah. Delightful. That's uh, that's just like Catch-22. I mean, it is, yes. Um, in Catch-22, there's a Native American character who, every time his family settles, the American military find oil wherever yeah. they settled, so then they have to move them on <laughs> until it becomes ridiculous and people are, like, trying to work out where they're going to go next yeah. so they can, like, predict where the oil will be. <laughs> I love Catch-22. It's wild. It's one of my favourite books. But yeah, Martha Canary is part of this group. And this is actually where we get the first mention of her nickname, Calamity Jane. Okay. I'm going to have to say now, we don't know why she's called Calamity (laughs) Jane. There are many stories. The one that she tells is this. It was during this campaign that I was christened Calamity Jane. It was on Goose Creek, Wyoming, where the town of Sheridan is now located. Captain Egan was in command of the post. We were ordered to quell an uprising of the Indians. Mm -hmm. Obviously not the language we would use now, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And were out for several days, had numerous skirmishes, during which six of the soldiers were killed and several severely wounded. When on returning to the post, we were ambushed about a mile and a half from our destination. When fired upon, Captain Egan was shot... I was riding in advance and on hearing the firing turned in my saddle and saw the captain reeling in his saddle as though about to fall. I turned my horse and galloped back with all haste to his side and got there in time to catch him as he was falling. I lifted him onto my horse in front of me and succeeded in getting him safely to the fort. Captain Egan, on recovering, laughingly said, I name you Calamity Jane, the heroine of the plains. I have borne that name up to the present time. That's a cool story. It's a cool story. It is not true in any way. (laughs) Okay. So Jane, Mm -hmm. as we may now call her, in some versions, in some versions, she is called uh, Martha Jane Canary. Okay. There is no evidence that Jane was ever part of her name. It's just that Jane is used as a nickname for 
women in the same way that Jack is used yeah. for men. Um, but she she wasn't actually serving as part of the military at this point. There would be no reason for her to actually be involved in these skirmishes. Mm. What Martha was doing was she was a camp follower. Okay. So she was doing basically odd jobs with the military attachments. Yeah. Uh, that could be like shifting stuff about, that could be nursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looked after soldiers' injuries. She may have engaged in a little prostitution with the soldiers. Mm-hmm. Hard to tell. It was common at the time for camp followers. Yeah. But she was also riding, shooting, probably hunting. Yeah. She just wasn't a soldier. There's no li- there's no references to her on any roster. There's no pay book. Nothing like that at all. Okay. If so she- she's just a practical person that yeah. you have along, basically. Yeah. yeah. But the reason that we know at this point that she's being called Calamity Jane is that following this expedition were a couple of journalists. Oh, okay. And they wrote articles about calamity well about the the party itself Mm. but they do dedicate several paragraphs to calamity jane and they speak really quite highly of her Mm. so in the first one we've got is it at all strange then that calamity jane should be here callum is dressed in a suit of soldiers blue and straddles a mule equal to any professional black snake swinger in the army I have no idea what a black snake swinger is, and I could not find it out. Okay. I just got a lot of pages about swinging. Uh, yeah, I can understand. That sounds like... That sounds pretty nice, though. That's yeah. cool, a cool description. Maybe she just wanted to reinvent herself. Um, Quite possibly. Because I'm thinking, like, okay, so she's had a really shitty young adulthood. Like, mm. she's clearly been looking after her kid siblings for a yeah. long time. And now she gets to go off and do adventurous things. Like, even if she's not part of the army, she's yeah. still going on adventures and being in the outdoors and being cool. Yeah. So maybe this is the point, you know, where you get yourself a nice haircut and you rename <laughs> yourself because it's like starting uni. It's quite possible. Um Definitely, these journalists were very praiseworthy of her. So, mm. if she did reinvent herself, it bloody worked. Yeah. <laughs> so, it continues Calamity also jumps upon a trooper's horse and rides along in the ranks and gives an officer a military salute with as much style as the first corporal in a crack company. Callum is often taken for a trumpeter or a bugler, but Calamity isn't any such thing. For Calamity Jane, or rather, Jane Canary, is a female. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that use of female at the I end. I know. Come on, guys. Yeah. In the other article, which is... I'm not going to read it in full, but basically they continue to say that she's a, uh, a fantastic horse rider, as they've said already, mm-hmm. um, that she is a mule driver okay. and a bullwhacker, <laughs> which is a bull driver. Yeah, sure, but it sounds like you're like hawk girl from the animated yeah. series. Like, just whack it with a mace. <laughs> yeah. And, they, and also says that a more unctuous coiner of English and not the Queen's Pure either than any other man in the commands. Oh, wow. Basically, she is swearing it up. Amazing. Yeah. So she has this pretty cool look and they actually take a photograph of her. Okay. And I'll show it to you now. Uh, It's a bit grainy, but this is her at 19. Okay. So first up, that lady's got swagger. I mean, yeah, she's got style to that. Like she's almost like reclining on these rocks. She's full on reclining <laughs> and she's got her legs crossed at the knee. That looks very cool. Yeah. But also she does not look 19. No. She looks older and yeah. I feel like that is you've lived you've lived a hard oh, life. Oh, you definitely like uh there are some other photos that are clearer images of her and mm. you can kind of like you can see this on her face. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, she looks like 30 at least, I would have said. absolutely. So the party confirms the presence of gold. And as I said, the American government decides they now want that land. And the military detachment, they get underway on their part of the mission and start trying to take the land from the natives. Great. They failed. As so many of these things did. And actually, this mission took place at the same time as not that far away at Little Bighorn. Mm -hmm. General Custer was killed trying to do the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Custer. Yep. Like, What a problematic man. (laughs) I... I just... I do think it's a bit hilarious that he was, like, just wandering around being like, 
there's gold in the hills. I'm mm. going to go take it. Yep. <laughs> like, I'm going right. to take it and it's going to be fine. All right, Custer. <laughs> <laughs> so with this mission kind of ending in failure, the expedition breaks up and Martha's left trying to work out what to do now. She mm. doesn't really have a place to call her own. And what happens next is that she's arrested. Oh. Because she... Well, she's arrested for grand larceny. What? Yeah. Okay. You know why? Oh my God. Did she steal like a handkerchief or something? Yeah. She stole some clothes. Great. She stole some clothes from another woman. Yeah. Um, And she was put in prison for two weeks awaiting trial. Okay. At the trial, the judge, fantastic judge, basically goes... No, just let her look. Let her go. <laughs> she served two weeks. That's fine. Okay. And Martha gets let out and kind of goes, you know what? I'm a bit done here. Yeah. She goes to the saloon, right. gets really drunk. Fair. Starts fighting with people and ends up hitching a ride elsewhere. Okay. And this kind of happens a lot in her life. Right. That she rocks up in a place, gets drunk, has a fight, moves on to the next place. Oh my God. She sounds like my D&D character. Yeah, kind of. That's what Civil the Brash would be doing yeah. if it wasn't for all the other people in the D&D world. Yeah. I mean, she was known as a saloon fighter. And this is one of those few like jobs to her that you can actually go, yeah, yeah. this is true. Okay. So after one of these benders... Mm-hmm. She ends up heading on a wagon train to Deadwood, South Dakota. Okay. Uh, That name might be familiar to some people because it was the location of Deadwood, the TV series (laughs) that uh, ran for a little while. I can't remember exactly when. I think it was late noughties, something like that. Sure. But anyway, anyway, it's uh, it's well known for that series, which I think had Ian McShane in. I don't know, this is not I important. I don't know who Ian It do, doesn't is. matter, it doesn't matter. But anyway, what is what does matter is that this wagon train contained James Butler, Wild Bill Hickok. Oh, great. And as I said, there are many rumours about Calamity Jane and Wild Bill. Okay. Is that just because they both have great Wild West style names? So you want, like, people are, like, um, shipping them. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Kind of. And she was probably telling stories about them later on. Yeah. Uh, which are almost certainly not true. <laughs> okay. Because Wild Bill had actually got married recently before he went to Deadwood, and he was known to be very faithful to his wife. Oh, all right. So it's unlikely, in the extreme, that he would have entered into a relationship with Calamity Jane. Okay. It's not even really that likely that they were great friends. Oh. I mean, they're kind of history kind of ships them a bit mm. but there's no real reference to them really spending much time with each other it's likely they knew of each other yeah but being in the same wagon train does not necessarily mean you actually spend any time with that person does it yeah wagon trains could be really really long exactly so wild bill actually died about six months after they got to deadwood oh okay uh, his death is quite famous because he was killed over a poker game oh wow And the story that is told is that Calamity Jane was so enraged that she grabbed a meat cleaver because Mm -hmm. her guns were not nearby, chased (laughs) down the murderer and brought him to justice. This is not true at all. Right. She was actually nowhere near the saloon at the time. Yeah. So she could... And also, having seen pictures of this lady, I can't imagine her guns wouldn't have been near to hand. Oh, that's such a good point. (laughs) But I could see her picking up a random cleaver. Oh, sure. (laughs) Absolutely, like, 100%. Yeah. So Deadwood kind of becomes as much of a home for Calamity Jane as any place will be. She sort of settles down there she gets married but that doesn't really last mm-hmm. the man she was married to was definitely abusive oh. um she does uh have a daughter during this period okay um actually she had the daughter the year before she got married <gasps> the scandal scandalous yeah shocking um so yeah she married bill steers was his name which again such a cowboy name bill bill steers yeah was a cowboy (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm not gonna do that uh so 
That's the only confirmed marriage that we have. Mm-hmm. She claimed she was married twice more. Okay. There is absolutely no evidence of this whatsoever. But there's no evidence of her being born, so... I mean, this is true, but it's one of those things where it's like, well, we can't say for certain because she exaggerates stuff sure. about her life. So at this point, Deadwood has a real problem. And that is that smallpox gets in there. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And it is so bad that the town basically has to erect quarantine tents. Okay. Because it's too dangerous for people to be close to each other. Yeah. So. Oh, no, we've gone back into COVID-19. Yeah. Like style plague. Things. A little bit. But one of the things about Calamity Jane that you probably wouldn't have got the impression of from the story so far, but based on what we know about her told by other people is that she was actually a really kind person. Really? She was always been known for her friendliness, generosity, and happy, cordial manner. It didn't matter to her whether a person was rich or poor, white or black, or what their circumstances were. Calamity Jane was just the same to all. Her purse was always open to help a hungry fellow, and she was one of the first to proffer her help in cases of sickness, accidents, or any distress. Oh, that's awesome. It's really awesome. So what she does is she volunteers to look after some mm. of these smallpox victims. That's very dangerous. Well, possibly not. Okay. Because it seems likely that she actually had smallpox when she was young oh. and survived. Is it kind of like the chickenpox? Like you get through it when you're young and then yeah. you're okay. Yeah. So she developed something of an immunity to it. Okay. And as such, kind of saw it as her duty to look after those who were less fortunate in mm. that way. Now, I say that this is kind of the thing, one of the things that links her to nursing, along with like looking after the soldiers in uh, when she's a camp follower. Mm -hmm. This is like the major event that she's known for in terms of her looking after people, looking after people successfully. Yeah. Despite that, she doesn't have medical knowledge. Yeah. Not many people around have that much medical knowledge. So basically what she does is just makes people comfortable. Yeah. But she is so like attentive and she brings people clean water, mm -hmm. fresh food, and especially fresh fruits and vegetables. And of the eight gold miners who were under her care, five of them survive. Okay. Which is actually a fantastic rate for the virulent smallpox that was going through Deadwood at the time. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like that's the best thing you can do if you don't know what else to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And this is one of the major things that, as I say, associates her with nursing. She yeah. wasn't a nurse, but, you know, she was a kind person who saw that she could help out. And she mm. did. And she just made things easier for people. And as such, as I said, more than 50% survived. That's so, really cool. Yeah. See, when you've been talking about her before, I have been like seeing, thinking about connections with Mary Seacole. Because mm. obviously Mary Seacole... Like, I went to some lengths in my episode about her to talk about how she definitely was a trained nurse, yeah. despite what certain historians have said about her. Yeah. Um, but again, she was known for making people comfortable, mm. um, for having an adventurous mindset and lifestyle, yeah. and also for exaggerating wildly in her <laughs> autobiography. Yeah, there are quite a few similarities. But I, I think it's that kind of like just attentiveness and just sort of like making people comfortable. Kind of like is what sparked my interest in this topic for mm. now. Because as I said, I was looking at social care yeah. stuff. And obviously this is kind of like a part of it. Yeah, like Calamity Jane seems to have acted kind of more like a carer than yeah. like a nurse. But yeah. yeah, that sounds awesome. Absolutely. So after the smallpox goes away, she kind of resumes some of her original habits uh she tends to follow military groups as a camp follower mm -hmm. turns up in places gets drunk moves on to the next place awesome and eventually she falls in with a performance troupe mm -hmm. and they are fascinated with her because at the time the wild west was being like heavily idealized in the east coast yeah and everyone there is super interested in stories of the wild west and cowboys and everything like that mm. and her life has already 
been kind of turned into, I, I guess, kind of Penny Dreadfuls. Sure, like, she's a bit of a Pulp Fiction person, isn't she? Absolutely, absolutely. So she decides to kind of cash in on this mm-hmm. and joins this performance troupe to tell stories. Okay. Uh, she signed on for eight weeks uh, at $50 a week, which in modern money is about $1,500 a week, which is pretty good. That's pretty nice. Yeah. That's not to be sneezed at. Absolutely. Like, I'd go on stage and tell ridiculous lies about my life for that. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing. She has her autobiography written. It's not meant to be accurate. It's a marketing yeah. thing. Yeah. She turns up on stage dressed in, like, soldier's outfits, Mm -hmm. tells all these fantastically tall tales, including probably the story about her name. And this is why we cannot trust a single word she says, because she had this mind for marketing. Yeah, 100%. Oh, my gosh. It is actually like Mary Seacole, because she told her ridiculous tall tales. Like, I think she was a little bit less so than Calamity Jane, but she needed to sell her book. Yeah. Uh, Calamity Jane was very much like, you know, let's make this as fantastical as possible. So I've got another picture here for you of her dressed up in some of her fancy garb. Okay. Oh, incredible. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? She looks like she belongs in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. (laughs) She really does. This is the thing, like, the character she created is kind of one of these archetypes of the wild west really yeah Yeah. i like how okay so obviously there's a whole thing about her wearing men's clothing and stuff Mm. um but often when you watch type like modern cowboy type films with a woman in they Mm. will wear men's clothes but they'll be like tailored and then you'll have long hair down but no she's just she looks straight up like a guy yeah no she's just as i said very practical yeah um, so she she goes around, she's telling all these stories, she has her autobiography written. She uh <laughs> she does have an encounter with Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. because during this time on her performance troupe, she basically has to go back to see her daughter because her daughter's not well. Oh no. So Buffalo Bill actually gives her the money to go back to the West. Okay. Yeah. She spends it on drink. Good. Gets drunk. Yep. Gets in a fight. Yep. And moves on. Right. (laughs) Basically hitches her way back home. Fantastic. It was also said like it's possibly because her daughter was ill. Possibly she missed her daughter. Possibly she just didn't really like life on the East Coast. Mm. It's not her cup of tea really, is it? It really isn't. So either way, she heads back to Deadwood. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least to nearby. Okay. Because again, we kind of lose track of her a bit. <laughs> All right. What we do know is that in 1903, Calamity Jane dies. Uh, officially of inflammation of the bowels, mm-hmm. basically of alcoholism. Yeah. Uh, she was 47, uh, although she's listed as dying at 53. Okay, yeah. Because at this point, even she doesn't know which stories about her are real <laughs> and which are made up. That is absolutely fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is one of those things, like, I guess because cowboy times, in my mm-hmm. mind, are like pirate times. Yeah. Like, they're in the they're in the far off days of they belong in Hollywood films. Like yeah. they're not real to me. Yeah. So when you say things like she died in 1903, I'm mm. like, that's not possible. The school <laughs> I went to was founded in 1903. <laughs> like my great granddad was born in 1904. Yeah. Like that, no one could be a cowboy and die in 1903. Yeah. Well, it was, it was definitely the sort of the end, the yeah. tail end of the, uh, the frontier days. But she still very much was a lot like that that was a time of the wild west and she yeah. kind of embodied it the story doesn't quite end there okay because at this point she is so popular that basically people want to take her body back to deadwood to be buried next to wild bill oh hun <laughs> for reasons that are probably to do with marketing yeah <laughs> Of course. More so than anything else. Because wouldn't that be an amazing tourist attraction? Yeah. And actually, that is where she is buried. Like The the two graves are next to each other to this day. Wow. But before that, have to get the body over. Right. Now, as I said, a lot of people, big fans of Calamity Jane. She's Mm -hmm. a fantastic storyteller. 
She's got this embodiment of the Wild West. She's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So what happens is basically a small wagon train forms to take the body back. Oh, that's cool. And on the way, they stop by towns. Yeah. They go into saloons. They get (laughs) drunk. They have fights and move on to the next place. Oh, that's so lovely. I know. It's kind of cute. Um but yeah, more and more people kind of like start following this wagon train. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get to Deadwood, I don't know the figure, but basically there were a lot of people there. Okay. And there were so many people who wanted to see her and to take locks of hair. Yeah, that, that was a big Victorian thing. Yeah, but there were so many people that while she was lying in state for two days before they could bury her... Mm-hmm. They had to put a wire cage around her head <laughs> yeah. so that people couldn't basically shave her bald. When Queen Victoria died, she was shaved bald. Oh, wow. Because they wanted so many lockets of hair. They yeah. just cut all her hair off so they could give it away. Well, I think at this stage they were kind of like, guys, yeah. let's, just, let's just, you know, bury her. So as I said, she is buried in Deadwood next to Wild Bill. Mm-hmm. Because they were so in love. Yeah. 100%. And her headstone reads that she is Mrs. Martha Burke because she claims she was married to someone whose surname was Burke. We have no evidence of this whatsoever. (laughs) She signs her autobiography as Martha Burke, starts it off as Martha Canary, ends it as Martha Burke. Amazing. There's no evidence of this. And her headstone lists her as dying at the age of 53. (laughs) Oh my God. They put her age down as 54, but I'm actually 53. She was 47. (laughs) (laughs) So that is the story of Calamity Jane. And I think it's kind of fitting that her headstone is wrong. That's incredible. (laughs) I love it. So a sort of nurse. Yeah. A sort of... I guess just just a frontiers woman. Yeah. Like in a in a way her story is not that dissimilar from other pioneer women at the time. Mm. She just kind of did what she had to to get by. She just had a couple of extra skills and a couple of I don't know fortunate moments. It sounds like she had a couple of extra skills, a couple of fortunate moments and also a personality that people were interested yeah, in. Yeah. Absolutely. She kind of caught the zeitgeist at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. And if you have any suggestions for episodes, you can email them to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for his theme song, Anachronist, and for any other music that Barnaby's used on the pod. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and don't believe a word Calamity Jane says. Bye!